0: And we are live, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, the three Muslims, we got brother Abdul from the Warner here, assalamualaikum
1: alaikum. assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
0: Habibi, look at that setup man, mashallah, we got the Versa- <laughs> Versace robe, we got the Moroccan tob, let's get into it man
1: hey, Alhamdulillah, I'm trying to be the freshest da'i in the game, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> Masha'Allah, Allah. May Allah bless you for all the work that you do. And for anyone that doesn't know you, right, tell us a little bit about your story. You can tell us as much as you want to tell us, as little as you want, bro. You do your thing.
1: Okay, absolutely, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you guys so much, you know, for having me as a guest on your platform. It's a great honor. Um, you know, I've actually been watching you guys prior to me being, um, you know, on YouTube uh, before. So I just want to say, you know, it's it's a very beautiful how everything comes full circle. Alhamdulillah, now I'm a guest on your guys' show. It's a very beautiful thing. I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me. And may Allah bless you guys. May Allah reward you guys for everything that you guys do for the for the deen as well.
2: Allahumma ameen. JazakAllah khair, bro. Allahumma barak. May Allah elevate you. I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean, yes. Before, um, before anyone wonders, I'm, I'm
1: better with like specific questions. So I okay, okay, I got you. A specific question, that way I can ensure I get into
0: Let's it. do that. And for a lot of people wondering right now, is it pre-recorded? No, this is not pre-recorded. This is live. We're live, live. Everyone's baby. standing We're Warner live, Warner baby. Nation right now.
1: Let's go, Warner Nation. Let's go. We in here. Let's go. Right. Can't so stop so us, first man. question.
0: First question. All right, let's let's do it. So someone wrote, "What is Warner Nation?" Okay,
1: what is Warner Nation? So Warner Nation, so inshallah, so the whole idea behind this, right, is I want to create a nation of warners, right? A nation of people who warn people of the truth, right? And and it, it is the harsh, bitter truth, unfortunately, right? So I want to create a nation of people who warn people of the truth and bring people to the truth as well. Because as you know, I'm not a sheikh, right? I'm not a scholar. I'm a normal person, just like most of you guys watching today. And I want to prove to you guys and I want to show it to you guys, you do not have to be a scholar in order to teach people about Islam, right? The prophet ﷺ says that if you share, if you know one verse, share that verse. So I want you guys to know that you don't have to be a scholar to go share the message of Islam, that anybody can do this. So inshallah, once I am completed with my mission, I want every single corner of the United States to have a da'i there, Blasting the Quran, handing out Qurans, inshallah. By the time I am done with my mission, inshallah, this is what we want to achieve, inshallah.
0: Man, inshallah. May Allah allow you to achieve that and even more. I mean, I mean, Okay, Ameen. perfect. So let's jump, let's jump right into it. What does your story begin? Man, you can you can fast forward or, or, or rewind
1: a little bit, whatever you want to do, all right? Okay, absolutely, absolutely. So, my story, okay. It's actually a, it's a pretty interesting story, Alhamdulillah. Um, so Uh, So, first and foremost, so I was born into a Muslim family, right? So, my parents are from Pakistan, right? Uh, So, I was born and raised into a Muslim family. Um, They came to America, you know, when they were young. And I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Hmm. So, me being, you know, born and raised in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, no, we lost him, bro. Yeah, sorry, I I had a phone call coming in. No no Um, worries, no worries.
1: But yeah, so me being born and raised in Los Angeles, obviously it is very difficult um, practicing Islam in a non-Islamic environment. And, you know, the earliest memories I have of me trying to be a good Muslim when I was younger is I remember I was in middle school and they would see my mom drop me off like, hey, why does your mom have a towel on her head? You know what I mean? Um, you know, and they would ask me, hey, why can't you eat pork? You know, I remember after high school, everyone would go to the Carl's Jr. Everyone would hang out, chill. They would order their food, and I would always order fish. And thought, they thought I was weird because I would order fish, you know? But every time they would ask me, I had no response. I had no response. Like, I didn't know how to respond to all their questions. You know, I realized that I was Muslim by name, but I had no knowledge of the deen, Right? And I'm sorry to say, you know, the way that I was taught the Dean, I was very much pushed away from the Dean at a younger age because I was forced, everything, you're forced to do this, you're forced to do that, no explanation. I remember the first time I went to the barber, right, and I got my beard, you know, trimmed, right? I came home and I got a nice slap in the face. (laughs) No, no explanation why, nothing like that, just... This is, you know what I mean? So, because of these things, it really pushed me away from Islam. And then, obviously, the whole idea of 9 11 happened, this, this, and that. And everybody portrays Muslims in a certain way. And me, unfortunately, because I had no knowledge, right? I started believing everything they said about the Muslims. So, when I started getting into that mentality, I decided that, you know what? I'm going to push religion to the side and I want to focus on my on the dunya right so at that time i wanted to become a professional basketball player so i'm about six eight six nine right um so at that time i wanted to become a professional basketball player so i was so focused on basketball and i wanted to make it to the nba that was that was what i wanted to do at that time and at the same time you know i would bodyguard you know uh you know i would uh you know i started you know becoming uh, i became like a bouncer at the local uh like i would be a, a bouncer at the local high end uh, nightclubs in the area like in Beverly Hills and Hollywood and stuff like that so that's kind of like how i started um you know in that uh, in in that in that security game right so i started off you know as as a, a bouncer right um in the high end nightclubs they would spend like 50 100k a night on the tables and stuff like that right and i was thinking that this is the life this is the life that i wanted right at that time I, I stopped thinking about religion. I stopped thinking about these things. I was more trying to chase the worldly life. And a lot of the celebrities were the people that I looked up to at that time. Those were my role models. And I was shaking hands and I was walking around with my role models, right? So as I was in uh, you know, the security game for a certain amount of time, I started becoming cool with all, a lot of the N- NFL players, a lot of the NBA players, a lot of the rappers, a lot of the musicians. And I became close friends with them to a point where I started bodyguarding for them personally, you know, and now I am fully integrated into that lifestyle, right? And subhanAllah, you know, as I got integrated into that lifestyle, um, I started, you know, and at the same time, I was chasing my basketball dreams at the same time as well. And then one day I got injured and, you know, that was the end of my basketball dreams. So I started pursuing more of the bodyguarding career for bodyguarding for all these different celebrities and stuff. And as I was in that environment, right, of being around, you you know, I'm pretty sure you guys see on TV the environment that the celebrities are around. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, a lot of drugs, a lot of women, right? So me being in that environment, alhamdulillah, it was amazing because obviously the, the Islamic roots that I had from the beginning still had a positive effect on me because I knew when I would watch them drink, I knew this is something that I would never indulge in. It just didn't feel like... It's something, it just never felt right. They would always offer me a drink, but I always feel like, uh, no, you know what I mean? Because obviously, even in our culture, we're more, we're not drinkers. Even culturally speaking, our, our, you know, our culture, we don't necessarily drink. It's not even within our culture. So for me, I already knew this is a boundary that I'm never going to cross, right? So I would observe them, you know, how they would, like how my clients were in the beginning of the night and how they would end up at the end of the night. And this pushed me more to not ever want to ever try alcohol ever, because I would see how it would turn people from you know who they naturally were, and then I would see when they were intoxicated what they would turn into, right? Um, yeah. So I would see this every single night. You know, I would bodyguard for my clients about three, four nights a week. So I would, I, at almost three, four nights a week, I would see this beginning of the night. You know, they're somebody, they're their they're, they're, they're sober self, they're their natural self. And at the end of the night, they're a completely different human being. So as I would observe this as the years would go on, I knew that this is something I would never want to indulge in because I would always be scared. What would happen to me if I start indulging, i become like them, right? So as I start, you know, getting closer and closer to these people, as I get closer to this environment, you know, I started noticing certain things, you know, certain weird behaviors, Also, I I can't necessarily get into details of what I saw, mainly because I did sign NDA forms. You know, also, a lot of these guys still live nearby me. So (laughs) I don't want to end up going missing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I did see a lot of devilish activity. I saw a lot of ritual practices. I saw the, the consummation of human blood. I saw certain things, you know, that I found very appalling. Because to me, like, these were the people that everybody looks up to. These were the people everyone wanted to be like. But when I was around them, they were the most depressed people I've ever seen in my life. You know, the things that happen in their inner circles, you wouldn't imagine. Their friends are trying to steal from them. Their family is trying to steal from them. Nobody truly likes them for who they are. They only want them for what they could get out of them, right? With the women, they will come to the house. As soon as they would fall asleep, boom, they're stealing all the jewelry, and they're out. You know, it's just so much chaos that nobody knows that's going on behind the scenes. Because, you know, they say this thing, you know, um, more money, more problems. So I saw exactly what it meant by more money, more problems, right? And once you make it to the top, how lonely it gets. Because I saw how these people would abuse these superstars and all these celebrities, and I realized how depressed these individuals were. So once I recognized how depressed these individuals were, then and I started realizing all the satanic rituals and the different practices that would go on, it made me come to a realization that the devil is real. So when I came to the realization that the devil is real, that shaitan is real, then I had to ask myself a real, honest question, right? If the devil is real, that means Almighty God has to be real. And if the devil is real and almighty God is real, that means the afterlife is real. So I had to sit down and I had to ask myself, am I prepared for the afterlife? And that's when I realized I wasn't prepared for the afterlife. And that's when I went on my journey to find God, right? So in the beginning of my journey, I started off with Christianity. Because obviously I was already born in a Muslim family and I was already pushed away from Islam. So I was like, you know, obviously the Christians are so adamant. That they have the true religion, and for some reason, there's you know there's no pushback for being a Christian. It's easy to be a Christian. So I said, Mm. okay, let me let me see you know let me see what they got. Let me go ahead you know study the scripture. Let me go ahead spend some time in the church. Let me see you know what they are talking about. As I started getting deeper and deeper into Christianity, I started realizing like Subhanallah, like wow, this is actually pretty crazy. You know what I mean? Like their idea of who God is, right? their idea of who the prophets were, right? And these different things, when I would try to compare it to what I did know about Islam, I realized that, you know, something about this message of Christianity is not sitting right with my heart and it's not sitting right with my soul. So then I had to look at the opposite of Christianity. So I, I started looking into uh, Islam and I started studying um, uh, Judaism as well. So, once I came to the conclusion that, you know, as uh, when it comes to Judaism, that you have to be born a Jew, like your mother has to be Jew in order for you to be accepted as a Jew, right? That you can't necessarily convert into a Jew. It's more about learning their customs, learning their culture, and stuff like that. Then I realized, okay, Judaism can't be the true religion because it's only for a certain group of people. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not, not for
0: universal, yeah. It's
1: mm-hmm. not for everyone. So I was like, okay, cool. So I pushed that away. Now, Christianity. So now I started coming to a point where I wanted to challenge Christianity and see if it holds up to, you know, the claims that they make. And anytime I would challenge Christianity, it would be dismantled and it would fall. So then I realized, you know, I can't be a Christian because their their beliefs have nothing strong to stand on. So then I started looking into Islam. I remember the first time I actually read the Quran because I knew Surah Fatiha and but I never knew what it meant, so I remember I grabbed an uh, uh, English Quran It's actually this Quran right here, the clear Quran. I remember I grabbed this book, it was I came back, you know, from b- bodyguarding one of my clients. Said, there you go, there you go, you already know, bro. <laughs> so I remember one night, you know, I came back, you know, I came back from the club, and you know, I was bodyguarding one of my clients, and you know. And I I saw the Qur'an. It was there on my kitchen counter, right? I had it for some time, but I never had the opportunity to open it yet. So I remember I grabbed it. I said, you know what? I'm going to open it. I'm going to start reading. So as soon as I opened it and I started reading, I was sitting on my couch from 12 to almost Fajr time, right? Just reading the book. And I couldn't put the book down. I was so surprised that I was born into this religion and I've never, ever read the Qur'an. I knew Surah Al-Fatiha. I memorized these different chapters of the Quran, but I never knew the translation of what it is that I said. And then when I realized, man, subhanAllah, I started reading, I started understanding, and I was like, wow, I was so amazed that this is the teachings of Islam. So then I started getting very, very deep into Islam. Alhamdulillah, then I realized that Islam is the true religion. So I decided that, you know, Islam is the true religion, and this is the path that I want to be on. As I got closer to Allah, I realized that you know what? As, as a believer and as a person, a warrior of Allah, I cannot defend people who are working for the shaitan. So I came to a decision that I'm no longer gonna bodyguard for you know these individuals that I did protect, right? And you know, I decided that, you know, I want to get closer to Allah. And I knew that it was gonna be a big test for me because I would make almost about a quarter million dollars from a part-time job, just bodyguarding these different individuals. So I had to make a decision, right? Do I want to, because I knew if I was going to be on this path of learning about Islam, getting closer to Allah, this this opposite environment was going to keep me away from that. It was going to completely keep me away from that. It's going to deter me from the path that I want to be on. So I decided to make a decision that, you know, I no longer want to be part of this. And that I was gonna, I was gonna leave the bodyguarding. I was gonna, you know, kind of, kind of restart my life as a Muslim, right? So, alhamdulillah, I started doing that. And then, as I would do that, you know, I would, you know, I would have different. I would have a lot of non muslim friends, right? The, obviously, in Los Angeles, it's a very, um, it's an extremely large population, hmm. but also the Muslim population is very scattered. It's not all, they're not all in one area. They're like scattered in different areas. So I wouldn't have too many Muslim friends. So obviously most of my friends were Catholic, they're Hispanic, Christians, you know, atheists, different stuff like that. And, you know, as I was now, this was a point where I started studying Islam. I started, you know, practicing. I started learning more. And I remember I came across this, um, you know, this quote that knowledge is useless unless it is shared. So I decided that, you know what, I want to share a little bit of my religion with one of my friends, right? I remember we were chilling in a frat house, right? Because all of my friends are in college, and I would chill with them at the frat house, right? So we were all chilling at the frat house, you know, and then suddenly I noticed it was time for prayer. I was like, hey, I, I would ask one of my friends, his name was Hector. I said, hey, do you mind if I go pray in your room real quick? You know, it's, it's time for me to pray. He's like, yeah, sure. Can I pray with you? And I was shocked. I was like, "What do you mean you want to pray with me?" He said, "Yeah, I want to pray with you." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "I was like, yeah, sure, come through." You know what I mean? So, so I told him, "You know what? You just have to do your wudu." He started doing his wudu, and he stood next to me. I explained to him what we were gonna do, and then we started praying. We started praying together, and then once he heard the recitation of the Quran, once he performed his first sajda, right, and then after we were finished with the salah, you know. I, I turned and I looked at him and I saw the peace on his face and I saw like how how amazing he felt and how happy he was that he joined me in this prayer. It made me realize that subhanallah, why am I shy why am I shy to be a Muslim? Look mm. at how it's affecting this brother who has no idea what, about it whatsoever. He's involved with all the women, you know the, you know how it is in the frat houses, you know mm. it's just parties. Girls, all that, you know? So a person like that wants to get away from that and get closer to Allah. So it kind of solidified more in my belief that, listen, I'm doing the right thing. And then suddenly, you know, a few weeks later, the brother took a Shahada. After he took a Shahada, then next thing you know, the other brothers in the frat house, they wanted to start also participating in the prayers as well. So I would come once a day, twice a day, and we would pray together. And then more and more brothers would start joining. And then it came to a point that the whole fraternity came to Islam, one by one, alhamdulillah. And it was so crazy, because I remember certain brothers, they would get so upset when they would hear us saying Asalaamu Alaikum to each other. You know, like, you know, obviously, I would walk in the house, everyone say Asalaamu Alaikum. It's like a bunch of Hispanics, Asalaamu Alaikum, go, islam, you know? So I started this whole <laughs> little trend in the front house, you know? But some of them didn't like to see their friends chasing in a positive, you know, way. So then they slowly stopped drinking. They stopped like certain type of habits just slowly, slowly. I would never tell them to stop it. It would naturally happen by themselves. As they would get closer to Allah, slowly, slowly they didn't want to do the things that they were involved with previously, right? So that's just a little bit background. I'm not gonna lie, there is a lot more details, but you know, uh, that's just a short uh, glimpse of kind of like how I started giving dawah, how I started. Realizing that Islam is the true religion, mainly by seeing the reaction of the non Muslims, right? And seeing how, when they did come to Islam, how they would change in such a positive way. I would Mm -hmm. see all, like, I would see them, you know, right when they take their shahada. And then, you know, months later, now, alhamdulillah, different, they're getting job opportunities. You know, different blessings are coming into their lives, you know. Um, they're just upgrading in lifestyle, like, subhanAllah, I'm, I'm witnessing all these different blessings that these people are, are attaining from Allah. So I realized how much, how positive the message of Islam was based on the people I was sharing it with. And that's when it really solidified my belief that Islam is the true religion.
2: Wow, mashaAllah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, probably one of the best stories i've heard 100 like, 100 like i can't even believe it's real Subhanallah, that's so <laughs> touching masha'Allah i like i i don't want to put it on that level but it's you know those stories you'd hear from like the time of the you know the salaf and the, the sahaba and the time of like the classical scholars those amazing stories because these people were close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. they would experience beautiful things amazing things with their people their communities you know it's like one of those stories. It's like a man walks in a room, like everyone converts, you know, something crazy like that. It's it's mind blowing, mashallah. So when did you decide that, okay, I need to open up a booth and give dawah to, you know, people who are just going to like enjoy the beach or whatever. Because Santa, Santa Monica is like
0: iconic, bro. Everyone knows yeah. Santa Monica is a place to go chill out, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, when, so, I, so I've been doing this, like as far as giving dawah to the non-Muslims, I've been doing this for years, right? And then when I would come across like, you know, these different stories, like, of how these people end up finding Islam, their their path to Islam, their shahadas. Like, bro, I would remember, bro, it's, you know, to me, I would say, you know, like how they say, the best way to learn is to teach, right? So when I would recognize, like, these different brothers, you know, for instance, there was this one brother, his name is Brian. We call him B23, right? I remember when he first came to Islam, he was actually a very, he was a very... um you know, uh, a very loyal Christian, right, he was a very, very loyal Christian, he was always God-fearing, he was like one of the bros in the frat house that would always talk about God, right, but he would never connect with any of the bros the way that he would talk about God, you know, because obviously, you know, the Christian way of preaching, unfortunately, it doesn't touch the heart, bro, it really doesn't, unfortunately, you know what I mean, so, you know, you know, and then I knew that we had a connection, you know, we both talk about God, and he wanted to ask me more about Islam, subhanAllah, he ended up taking a shahada, right? And I remember the first time after he took a shot that he wanted to come to the masjid, you know, the certain things that would happen to these people. He came, he tried to come for Fajr, right? As he came for Fajr, he came as soon as he was about to walk into the, uh, walk into the door, randomly, this half-naked woman is at the masjid door trying to not let her, let him come in. Saying, oh, my daughter got kidnapped. I need your phone. Can I borrow your phone? And keep in mind, brother, Like, you have to press a a lock pad to get into the masjid. You know, there's a long path to get into the masjid, to get to the front door. Also, keep in mind, it's fudger time. You know, there's no strangers walking around that area on the masjid, Mm. half naked, you know, uh, asking for your phone, right? So as he's about to walk into the masjid, you know, there's this half naked woman that comes up to him and tells him, hey, can I borrow your phone? You know, my daughter got kidnapped. So he's like, oh, wow, like it's like five in the morning and some woman just, uh, you know, comes up to him like this. So he's like, yeah, sure. So now, you know, now, you know, she's trying to call her daughter and then suddenly she switches the conversation to something else. Oh, why are you going in there? Oh, like, you know, like now she started to switch the conversation. He's like, wait, I thought your daughter is kidnapped. Why are Mm. you asking me? Why am I going to the masjid? Mm. Right. And then suddenly my father was in the masjid as well. Right. And he saw this lady and then he saw Brian, and as my dad started walking to her, my, the lady saw my dad, and then suddenly she, like, you know, uh, she, she gave the phone back, she turned the corner, disappeared.
0: Bro, that's shaitan, bro.
1: And, and then when I realized that, wow, like, I, I didn't realize how the shaitan operates. Mm. You know, I didn't understand how this whole, how this works. And through all these new Muslims, I would recognize, wow, how the shaitan operates. Like, how literally he tries to stop you any way he can. That was his first time ever coming to the masjid, right? And literally, the shaitan came in the form of a half-naked woman, mm-hmm. right, to try to stop him from entering to the doors of the masjid, you know? And I didn't know these things were possible. Like, I had no idea about this whatsoever. So start, now I started studying more, started studying more, and then I started recognizing all these different things. SubhanAllah, one of our bros... He actually was possessed with a shaitan in him. And he was the same bro that hated anytime we would say salam alaykum to one another. And I would recognize later that it's only the shaitan that hated what we were doing. It wasn't him. And so later on, he ended up taking a shahada. But it was just so crazy, bro. Just I have stories for days, bro. When it comes to this stuff, I have stories for days. You know what I mean? But it, it's just absolutely insane. And I, you know, for me, as I was giving da'wah. I started realizing, like, how important the message of Islam was. And as I was getting more and people to accept Islam, then the shaitan started attacking me, you know? And then I started realizing the attacks started coming on me. You know, I remember this one night, I was in my room, and, you know, I felt a presence of something, right? And literally, it was crazy. Like, I, I, I felt the presence of something, right? So I woke up. And it's like, you could see, like, it's like nothing but energy. It's like just covering the whole world. Not, not the whole world. The, the, my whole room, it was covered in like a fizzy type of energy. It's like, you could see through it, right? But it's all blurry, right? And I go, I got my bed and I said, hey, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> and I, wherever I thought his neck was, and I grabbed it. because, And it's just so crazy because I knew that was the shaitan trying to scare me. You know, trying to say like, oh, you know, like, you know, trying to show its power to me and trying to present itself to me in a way where I'll be scared. Mm -hmm. But, yo, I only fear Allah, bro. I am not scared of the creation of Allah. I only fear the Creator. And once I started realizing, yo, the shaitan doesn't like me, he's trying to stop me from doing certain things, then I realized that, listen, what I'm doing is actually deeper than what I thought it was. I'm going to war with the shaitan. And when I recognize that I am going to war with the shaitan, alhamdulillah i start preparing myself for war bro you know what i mean so and uh yeah alhamdulillah i actually really enjoy going to war with Shaitan. It's, it's a beautiful thing bro it's a very beautiful thing man because you have no idea how many people were saving from the grasp of the Shaitan. it's, it's mm. truly truly amazing
0: it's weird too when when i deal with a lot of people in the community it's like it's almost like their lives were seemingly a little bit less you know shaitan or jinn filled you know a little bit less drama and then the second they want to come deeper into islam bro game over you know
1: exactly and you know that's when i started recognizing the psychology of the shaitan there's a saying right in order to defeat your enemy you must know your enemy so that's why i started started learning you know trying to learn more about the shaitan who is the shaitan the psychology of the shaitan and how he operates and how he works and that really helped me about how I communicate with the different people. Like, when I would see their reaction, I know, okay, the shaitan just whispered in its ear right now. Like, I just recognize, like, I could recognize these things now. Like, I could see what's happening in, in the spiritual world based on, you know, my previous experiences. But as far as you asking me what inspired me to go out and publicly give dawah, it's actually quite interesting. Sheikh Uthman was actually a great, great motivation for me to go and do it, right? But it wasn't just Sheikh Huthman, right, that motivated me. Um, Because, you know, like I said before, I would always give dawah and I would have these amazing stories, right? And I just thought like, man, I have to share these stories with the world because I realized how much it was boosting my iman and the people I would share these stories with, how much it would boost their iman as well. And I would see Sheikh Huthman out there. I would always watch his videos. And subhanAllah, he was this great inspiration for me, Right? But, you know, that was, like, one of the steps, you know, that, like, as far as, like, watching him, I knew what to say, how to react, you know, how to respond. I learned a lot of that from him. But as far as the courage to go out and do it, I'm not going to lie, Andrew Tate is the one who inspired me and gave me the courage to do what, what, you know, I know this is actually... (laughs) No, go into that, bro.
0: Go into that. Tell us. Tell us. Go into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it was actually Andrew Tate that inspired me and gave me the courage to do what needed to be done. Because I remember I was listening to him, right? And he said that, listen, we're not, the real pandemic that we're facing is we're living in a pandemic full of cowards. And then when I realized that, like, wow, men are no longer men. Men have become cowards. They're no longer brave. I, ta- I, I you know, I, I turn off the TV and I ask myself, am I a coward? Am I scared, right? And that's when I realized, you know what? No, I'm not scared. I'm not a coward. And I have the courage to do what needs to be done. And so oh, from that day, I changed my Instagram name from, you know, Abdul Wahab to I am the Warner. And then, boom, the next week, I went out there and, I, and it began, man.
2: Alhamdulillah. Wow, I swear your story just keeps, like, twisting. and, just, Bro, <laughs> plot twist out. This is better than, like, Game of Thrones, man. MashaAllah. <laughs> Game of Dawah. <laughs> MashaAllah. Yeah, man. Uh, that's hello. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. So tell me about your first. Ex- do you remember your first experience like, when you put this stand up and the first person that came up to your desk? Do you remember what that was like? <sighs> Honestly, no, bro. It's, it's been it's been a couple of months now. So I
1: don't necessarily remember. So my first experience. So I, what my idea was, is that I was just going to publicly recite Quran. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. But I was just like in a mode where, like, listen, like, I need to do what needs to be done. Like, you know, I was just, I was just a certain point that, you know, I need to do no more talking, all action. I need to be like straight up action. Everything I say, I'm gonna do it. So I started off. Um, I think I would. I went to Santa Monica Pier and I just started reciting Quran publicly. You know, and I would have some Qurans right in front of me, and then people would grab it. I wasn't necessarily. You know, doing it the same way I'm doing right now, where I'm teaching people, I'm sh- you know talking to people. This kind of came naturally afterwards, you know. But that was like the slow progression of where it is right now. But in the beginning, uh, all I knew is I had to go out there. I had to show that I had, you know, like the cojones to do what needs to be done. You know, I had the I had the courage, right, to do what needs to be done, right. Um, and then, yeah, subhanallah, I just started off, you know, reciting Quran publicly. And then I would see their reaction. And subhanAllah, I would go out there all by myself, bro. All mm. by myself, I would go out there, you know? And, you know, obviously, you know, alhamdulillah, I'm about six, seven, six, eight, you know, 8, um, you know, uh, trained martial artist. Alhamdulillah. So I, I'm not I'm not tripping about it. Anyway, anyone could pull up on me. I, I'm not tripping. You know, like, I, I actually dare them to pull up on me because they'll see what will happen to them. You know what I mean? But, you know, so, like, you know, I wasn't worried about that. But subhanAllah, as I would re- recite the Qur'an, you know, I would see, you know, different Muslims, like, come, like, behind me just to protect me. Like, they'd see what I'm doing, and they were just kind of, like, they're in the corner, like, just waiting just in case someone does do something. So I would see, man, subhanAllah, like, how Allah is sending reinforcements, you know? Like, I see it happening, and I, I just realized that, listen, this is something that I really, really want to do. And then I started, you know, thinking of more ideas, you know, how can I do this in a better way? Like, what is the best way that I could share the message of Islam with these people, right? And to me, to be honest, I'm not much of a debater, right? I'm more of a conversationalist. I like, I, I love people and I love connecting with people. So I thought that I should stick to my strengths and just connect with people and just talk to people, you know? So that's, alhamdulillah, that's something that I always enjoyed. I, I truly love all people because I believe that we're all the children of Adam. We're all related some, some way, somehow. So I always had this love for people in my heart, you know. And I knew that a lot of these people were misguided. And that once they heard the truth in a very clear and succinct manner, then inshallah, hopefully if their heart is pure, that Allah will guide them. Inshallah.
0: Inshallah.
1: inshallah,
0: yeah. inshallah. That's so heartwarming, bro. Wallahi, and and based on you saying that, man, you're not a debater. Now I'm even more curious to know, you know, all the tips you have and 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 advice you have for giving street dawah because a lot of people let it too easily get turned into a debate, bro. Too easily, exactly. You know, me personally too. I want to ask you this question because you mentioned that you're a conversationalist. You want to have a heart to heart. How do you balance that heart to heart when there's disagreements and, and you know you see things that are not true that the other person is saying, and you really want to like kind of change their views and challenge them in a way? So, how do you do that without getting the baby?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it says very clearly in the Quran, right? <laughs> Qul you ayyuhal kafirun la a'abudu ma ta'abudun wala altum a'abidun ma a'abud wala ana a'abidun ma abattum wala altum a'abidun ma a'abud lakum deenukum wal Right? It says in Surah and uh, chapter 109 of the Holy Quran, uh, chapter the, uh, called the Disbelievers, Allah says very clearly, in the name of Allah, the most compassionate and most merciful, right? Oh, you disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship, nor do you worship what I worship. I will never worship what you worship, nor will you ever worship what I worship. You will have your way, I will have my way. And once I realized that, listen, You know, our job is not to convince people. Our job is is simply to portray a message. Allah does the rest. But it is our job to use our intellect, to use our God-given abilities and our gifts to portray the message as clear and as beautifully as we possibly can. And then Allah will do the rest. So when they do disagree with me, I said, no problem, my dear brother. You have your beliefs, I have my beliefs. I just want to share with you what the Muslims believe. Because most people know what Christians believe, but they have no clue what the Muslims believe. So I have a way of also keep in mind, I've been bodyguarding for many years. So I know how to de-neutralize situations very easily. It's not hard for me to de-neutralize the situation. You know, I've been in tons of fights, like brawls, 50, 100-man brawls. So, bro, I know how to handle myself in crazy situations, bro. Like, bro, I got stories, bro. I got stories, bro. <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
2: Bro, we're going to have to do a whole other episode, just stories with The Warner. Bro, forget
0: episode, bro. We're going to have to do a whole season with this, brother, bro. And next time we come to LA, bro, off-camera thing for sure, bro. Hey, let's Let's go.
1: go. Let's do it, man. Inshallah. I actually want to share with you how I came up with the name The The Warner. Do you mind if I share it with you guys? Go for it,
0: man. I remember one day,
1: right, Um, because someone was telling me that, you know, to recite Surah, uh, surah, um, uh, what was it, Surah Mulk every single night, right? But I never read the translation of Surah Mulk. So I remember one day, you know, I sat down, I started reading the translation of Surah Mulk, right? And then it says in Surah Mulk, right? Chapter 67, right? Um, I'll go ahead and recite the verses, I'll, I'll, I'll translate it as well, right? It says, <laughs> قُلْ مَا أُنْزِلَ فِيهَا فَوْجٌ لَّهُمْ سَأَنهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا لَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرُ قَالُوا بَنَا قَدْ جَاءَنَا نَذِيرٌ فَكَذَّبْنَا وَقُلْنَا مَا نَزَّلَ اللَّهُ مِن شَيْءٍ إِنْ أُنتُم إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالٍ كَبِيرٍ it says right that Every time a group is cast into the hellfire, its keepers will ask them, did a warner not come to you? And they will reply, yes, a warner did come to us, but we denied and said, Allah has revealed nothing and that you are extremely astray. And they will lament, only if we had listened and reasoned, we would not be amongst the residents of the blaze. And so they will confess their sins so away with the residents of the blaze so when I read that verse I realized that subhanAllah Allah has been using me to warn all these different people of the truth and especially so many different young people bro literally it was so crazy because once the first brother took shahada it was like a wave bro it was like boom another another and the next thing you know bro it just was like it was a crazy like effect that was happening like one after another after another after another you know and it was just like subhanAllah Allah is like I, I recognized Allah is using me and I felt so grateful to Allah. Like, wow, like Allah is using me, you know, to spread the deen. Like, man, that feeling, bro, that I felt like, wow, like I felt so close to Allah, bro. I felt so close to Allah. Like, and I wanted other people to feel that feeling as well. Cause I felt so, I felt so unstoppable, bro. Like I just felt like a, like an unstoppable force that no one could stop me. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt like untouchable. You know, I wanted other people to also feel this feeling.
2: Allahumma barak man, Allahumma barak Allah that's so beautiful Allah that's so beautiful I wanted to say I can relate to that But I mean honestly not not even to that scale SubhanAllah like, to, For me it's like I was, I was guided to salam, alhamdulillah. I saw how beautiful it was And I went to a Catholic school so I was talking to you know, some Christians That's all for me but well, Allahumma barak man, mashaAllah, that is absolutely beautiful. Have you done like an episode or something about your story? Because if you haven't, you need to in depth. All no, the... I, I,
1: I am, inshallah. I, I am. So actually, inshallah, what I'm going to do is right now, I'm focusing on the street dawah. But basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a podcast as well where I'm going to start, I'm going to interview all the Muslims that like where I started from the first shahada all the way to now, right? And then basically, you know, I have this idea where I want to prove to people. That Islam is a positive thing. Everyone needs Islam. Everyone needs the Quran. And everyone needs to know who the Prophet Muhammad is. And I'm going to prove it to them with video evidence to show how people's lives have changed in such a positive way just by the message of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And I'm going to prove it to them, bro, to a point where uh, they might kick me out of America, bro, because I'm going to really prove a point, Marji. You know what I'm saying? Inshallah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: inshallah inshallah may allah grant you success in that let's go let's go that's
0: hype bro and and wallahi like such an iman booze just listening to you i'm sure it is for Rami too and inshallah when brother anha watches it he's gonna get the same thing bro it's a little bit late for him in france it's past midnight right now so he's probably fast asleep but uh that brings us to my next question inshallah when you're giving street dawah right what are some of the main i guess themes or patterns you've picked up on thus far you know, for example, um, one might argue that when you're giving dawah to Christians, right, a common theme is just dispelling the Trinity, right? Just proving the, the, the unicity or the tawhid, right? Just oneness of Allah. So what is something you've commonly found in the demographics of, you know, in Santa Monica and just the LA population?
1: So, um, so what I found is, so obviously, LA is a pretty godless city, bro. It's a very godless city. Obviously, Hollywood is is the center of all
0: you getting a call again i think so i think I, so I, or, I... or it's shaitan bro oh
1: okay yeah i think it blanked out for a second actually yeah. i wanted to actually share another reason another thing that really inspired me i remember one time i came back from umrah right i came back from umrah and i was actually in Makkah, right so my first time going to Makkah, right i went to Makkah, and i was like wow this is such an amazing pure environment And literally, when I was leaving the Kaaba, bro, I started crying so much because I was coming back to L.A. And I was like, no, why why do I have to come back to L.A., bro? Because I I was just in such a pure environment, right? So I decided to myself, like, listen, the only reason I'm going to live in a country like this is to share the truth with the people. Because what better place to share the message of Islam than a place full of darkness, right? you know what I mean? What better place than to do it right here in America, you know, where people are so lost, people are unhappy, people are, you know, trying to find purpose, people are trying to find truth, but they're so distracted with all the different uh, types of entertainment that the world has to offer, you know? And, And then they never get to truly get a moment of silence to ask themselves the real questions, you know? So I wanted to be one of the, you know, I wanted to be kind of like a, you know, a a person who starts a movement of spreading the truth, but doing it in in a beautiful manner, right? But regarding your question, as far as, you know, dispelling the Trinity, I actually don't do any of that. You know, when when the Christian brothers and sisters do come to me and they they explain to me, they believe this is that, I'm not there to shut down their beliefs. If they want to choose to believe that, no problem. I am simply here to teach you about Islam. I want you to hear the message of Islam. We're not going to argue back and forth there's no arguments that are going to take place, right? If you want to argue, that's fine. I'll demolish you, because the arguments I'll have will destroy you immediately, but I'll, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to share with you the message of Islam. Alhamdulillah, being a giant does help. Alhamdulillah. That does help. I have a certain demeanor that people know not to mess with me. You know what I mean? I just have a certain demeanor. The way I carry myself, they know okay, it's probably not the guy I want to mess with. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they definitely you think about it, but I have a certain way of talking to them where I'm simply here to share the message of Islam to you. I am I make it fully aware that, listen, I know the message of Christianity. I'm aware of the message of Christianity, but I'm here to teach you about Islam. And that Islam is actually the true way and the true guidance. But obviously they can only do that through education. That's why I give them the Quran. That's why I hand them the different books that I hand them. It's through education. Hopefully they will recognize that what they believed in, and what they've been taught is nothing but lies. And they will recognize that Islam is the truth. But through knowledge, through knowledge, that's what I want to do. I remember, um, you know, I- I'm actually, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, I- I- so anytime I, you know, so alhamdulillah, when I-, I, remember the first time I went to Mecca, I ended up meeting Sheikh Hablas. Are you guys familiar with Muhammad Hablas?
2: Of course, man. Of remember. course. Really so, I saw
1: Muhammad Hablas, alhamdulillah, and I, I ended up, uh, you know, getting close to him. So I talked to him, you know, uh, pretty often, you know, uh, you know, get to see him from him and different stuff like that, and I remember, you know, I would tell him, oh, you know, you know, uh, spreading Islam, this is uh, this many shahadas. This. I was very excited. Oh, I wanted to just like keep getting more shahadas, more shahadas. I was like kind of like racking up shahadas, right? It was like kind of like a game, right? And then he told me, no, 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 it's not about the quantity, but the quality of believers. And then he changed my whole mindset. Now I actually I no longer chase shahadas, right? My main thing is I want to educate people on Islam, on what, the, what we believe. Like I want you to, at least if you're going to explain our beliefs to other people, explain it the right way. I want you to hear the right things because most people, all they know is the lies of Islam. They don't know any of the truths of Islam. All they know is the lies of Islam, right? So at least I'm trying to, you know, take control of the narrative of sharing the true message of Islam.
0: Mashallah, Allah barik, bro. Allah, that's so Allah true Allah. because you know when you think about a lot of the people in the west and i was asking anhel this too because anhel's an american revert mashallah he, he accepted islam about just under two years ago closing in on two years now and when i asked him i was like bro where did you get most of your preconceived notions about islam from he was like everything i knew about islam not from muslims bro from fox news or the media or what they taught him in school what his teachers taught him you know people that he knew in his community there was no muslims
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like all these all these uh, like the false allegations I hear about Islam, all the lies I hear about Islam is from people who are profiting off Christianity. To be honest, if you want to if you want to get right to the point, most of the people who dispel lies about Islam is because they're profiting off Christianity and they know Islam is going to basically get rid of all their monetary gain. Because we know Christianity is a business. We know it's a business, right? So there, they know Islam, it gets rid of the business of Christianity. So it's mainly the people who are profiting off the the falsehood of Christianity. They have to do whatever they can to dispel Islam because Islam is messing with their money. Hmm. It's all about money at the end of the day, man. It's all about the money.
0: Hmm. That's what there's this whole movement called DCCI in, in the UK. I'm sure you know about that, right?
1: No, no, I'm not familiar with
0: it. So people like David Ward, Hatun, they're they're big proponents of DCCI. And the whole movement stands for Defend Christianity, Critique Islam. Like, <laughs> the, all these people that you see, the ones that are one of the biggest Islamophobes you'll see, a large majority of them aren't trying to get you... Yeah, some of them are trying to get you to leave Islam and come to atheism, but a good amount of them are trying to get you to leave Islam and come to Christianity. People like Nabil Qureshi, all these people... People are part of DCCI. And the thing that I find profound is the amount that they get through Patreon, through donations, through the church. They're not going to get that, bro, with with a lot of people becoming Muslim. And just like you said, people are profiting off of the false pretense of Christianity. Right. And they can't have Islam with that. Even capitalism, bro, even looking at a society, society itself will not have this imbalanced power dynamic. You know what I mean with the elites, and everyone else is just slaved and, and poor. You know it's not gonna happen when people understand la ilaha illallah, and they break out. You shock, bro. So you know, even looking at the way everything works, bro. And I don't want to go too much, you know, because you say too much, you're gonna get you're gonna get blocked out of this platform. But absolutely, I'm <laughs> realizing
1: that with Sneeko, with Tate, you know, you know, with, with everybody, it looks like, look what's happening to them, bro. You speak some truth, next thing you know, you're gone.
0: It's crazy, bro. Crazy, yeah. and and SubhanAllah, that's why like you gotta play within. You gotta play the game, but you got to the really rules. And what's yeah. what's the line? And then never cross that line, you know. And a lot of people, SubhanAllah, a lot of people. This is a side thing, you know. But a lot of people that are that are part of the audience, they don't have YouTube channels or anything. They're gonna hate on you for doing so. They're gonna be like, "Oh, why don't you say this? Why don't you say that, bro?" I tell you to. You wanna do better? You do better. Start a channel yourself. Amass a following. Try to do Dawah, and see how far you can get away with just being. <laughs> and just you know, just out there, not saying you know, It was
1: actually very interesting that you brought that up because I'm not gonna lie, I would watch a lot of these different dawah channels, and I would say, "Oh man, you could have said it like this, you could have done it like that." And I would think that in my head, and I was like, "Yo, why don't I just go out and do it myself?" Like I- Allah has given me a fully functioning body. I have a tongue that works. I have a brain that works. Right. I'm- I have ability to comprehend and attain some knowledge. Why don't I go out there and do it myself, right? Mm. So it's literally, you know, it's unfortunately we live in the society where most people are watchers. They're not doers. And this is the big problem, bro. It's a big problem. People will watch other become people become successful and and just drown in their own failure, you know, and it's very unfortunate.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But that's that's exactly what society aims to produce. You know, since your birth. You know, obeying your parents is fine, is one thing, but they put you in an institution, you have to obey the teacher, and you're in that institution for years, and then you go to college, same thing. Uh, you're always trying to basically please the people above you and work for them, and and then you go to work and it's the same exact thing. They're they're literally breeding people to sit there it's, and do work and listen.
0: It's it's kind of cringe to say it, but but people are bots, bro. There's literally yes. no other way to say it. And like the second you have you're like the black sheep, the second you have any type of you know, dissenting, you know, lone type of view on anything else, you're automatically like going to be used shaming tactics. You know, you're a misogynist, you're an extremist, you're this, you're that. And like people got to know, like when we're doing the dawah, we're not trying to water down the dawah. No one's trying to water down the theme, but there's a specific niche or way of saying things. And if you kind of fall out of that, you deviate from that. That's it, bro. No platform. And you got to ask yourself what's better having a platform or losing your platform just because you want it to sound like you know the big guy
2: yeah and i want to comment on something before it slips my mind Uh, i don't believe what anyone here is trying to say is that everyone who gets banned was speaking the truth there are Mm -hmm. definitely people who are just misogynistic people who are just evil women who are just misandrous who just hate men right Uh, there are these people out there and these Mm -hmm. people get shut down and stuff as well what we're trying to say is that when you look at the muslims right you look at those giving dawah whether they're living in you know uh, in a, a muslim country or in a non-muslim country one way or another according to unjust rulers or a an unjust ruler they may be locked up they may be shut down they may be like i don't obviously we don't agree with everything andrew tate says but his his airbnb account <laughs> why take his airbnb account like mm-hmm. his that, uber account and go after his bank account that's crazy you man know,
1: they, 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 to me that was crazy when i heard they went after his bank account like mm-hmm. more than just social media they're yeah. literally trying to silence you yeah. But obviously, with what I'm trying to do, I need to possibly be prepared for the same thing, you know, because oh, I, I really want to start a big movement, bro, a big movement, a real big awakening of Islam in the United States, inshallah. Inshallah.
2: Inshallah. 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 And this, this man, wallah, this, this is so inspirational. Allahumma barik. It really is because we need Muslims to, you know, be men. We need Muslims to be go-getters. Because if no Muslim... If no Muslim is a go-getter, then Islam will, will not be spread. And you hear this common narrative a lot when it comes to, you know, the Khilafa and Islamic rulership and Islamic governance. When people say there's no good rulers and, you know, people respond with, don't worry, one day Allah will bring us a good ruler. One day, you know, like, yes, everything happens if Allah wills. You know, I, if I speak on this podcast, it's because Allah wills. If I go and pray my salah, because Allah wills. Something like salah, I can't say, oh, I didn't pray Allah, didn't will it. I still have to go and do it myself. Mm-hmm. Right? And same thing with dawah. Dawah is an obligation upon the Muslims. It, like the brother mentioned, the hadith of the Prophet where he said, Convey for me even if it's just one ayah. Meaning, if all you know is Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, that's all you know. Go, go, You better share
1: that, you better share that verse.
2: Please? Exactly. 100%. <laughs> and recite it just like the brother Allahumma Barak recited it. Recite it to the people, let them know. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You could break, literally, you could do a tafsir of that and, and spend 10 minutes of their time teaching them about that one ayah. That's how encompassing the Quran is. So, you know, when people say these things like, oh, one day Allah will bring these people. Let me, let me teach you something. Let me teach you something. Actually, Allah is going to teach you something. He says in the Quran, let there arise from basically the ummah, from the nation, a group. All right? He talks about a group that calls to good. A group that does good. You know, in, in, in Surah Al-Waqi'a, he talks about السابقون, the forerunners. And if you want to be a forerunner, you don't wait till Allah makes you one. Because Allah is not going to make you one unless you work to be one. So we have to be go-getters, right? That's and why and we Also, keep in mind,
1: Surah Waqe also said that the foremost, the forerunners, there will be few from later generations, but many from previous generations.
2: SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah.
1: Yeah, go ahead, continue. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead, but... No, I
2: think that's... That, no, that's good, 100%. Because that, yeah. that, that speaks volumes to the point that we don't have enough. And you know, actually, another hadith of the Prophet he said... I forget the context, but there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He told a sahabi or the sahaba radiallahu anhum that right now there's a lot of knowledge. So action is preferable. Action is what's needed basically, right? He said there will come a time where there's, there's basically there's lots of you know, speakers and da'is and, and so on and so forth, but very little knowledge. Meaning you're going to have a lot of people, a lot of speakers. They'll get up on the stage and have a beard And they'll say whatever they want to say, whether it's correct or incorrect, whatever. Actually, if anything, the Prophet Prophet is inferring that they might be incorrect because there's very few scholars, very little knowledge. So right now, what we need to do is we need to learn our Islam, we need to learn our deen, and we need to learn what a deen actually is. I don't want to go on too long, but we have to learn what a deen actually is. Because before you go out and do what, you know, um, what uh, Brother uh, Abdul Wahab, right? Abdul Wahab, yes. Abdul Wahab, inshallah. I didn't want to call you Brother the Warner, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Before you go out and do what the brother's doing, you have to understand that a deen is a full way of life and it will change the way you think ideologically. Mm-hmm. And I don't I'll stop there because I don't want to go on too long about ideologies and that stuff, but it Islam will literally, ideologically, from your perspective, how you see the world, change your life. And until you go through that change and until you go through that shift, you know, you're you're not really in that space to even give da'wah. So focus on that, learn your knowledge and go out and teach the world, inshallah.
1: Yeah, and also. You know uh, you know you we were just talking about the people right who get paid to slander Islam right We have to understand why like you know one thing on my journey of finding the truth, I remember every single day right I would have a, I would have a notebook next to my bed right and I would write down the questions that I wanted answered that day. every single day I would wake up with questions I did this for almost 10 years right Every single day I would wake up boom write the questions I wanted answered right like things that I needed to be get figured out right? And that whole day, I would f- go and find the answer. And then the next day I wake up, new questions, new answers, right? I did that for many years to a point. Now, alhamdulillah, I'm comfortable. Now I know I know enough to feel like, okay, alhamdulillah, I know, like, whatever I know, I'm, I'm solidified in what I know, alhamdulillah, and I understand why. You know, I understand why. You know, that's the biggest question. Why are they slandering Islam? Why? And the answer will very much shock a lot of people. The reality is why they attack Islam, because Islam will destroy the banking system. Islam will destroy the alcohol industry, trillion dollar industries, banking industry, the alcohol industry, the fashion industry, right? All these immodest women, right? All these baby mamas and baby daddies. It's going to be dismantled, bro. We're going to have fully functioning, strong families. They don't want that. Because if you come with a strong family, a strong leader, you're no longer looking up to celebrities, you're looking up to your father. You're no longer looking up to the president, you're looking up to the leaders of your family, the ones who are right in front of you, not the people on the television, right? Hmm. There's many reasons for it, right? The banking industry, the alcohol industry, the clothing industry, right? All these different industries, right, are profiting off the gambling industry, right? There's many different industries that profit off Islam not prevailing. Because once Islam comes, these industries will no longer exist. And guess what? They profit off people's sorrows, off people's depression. You know, they're just trying to take advantage of people. But they have a way of, Shaitan has a way of using the most beautiful people to advertise his message. Mm -hmm. And we always fall for it, bro. We always fall Mm -hmm. for it, bro.
2: One hundred percent. You know, I'm actually currently taking a a culture and media course and subhanallah, it's it's crazy because what you just said reminded me of a question they asked us to write a, a little like summary on or a little, uh you know, our thoughts on basically. And they asked which of these uh, tactics that media uses to basically, I forget the wording, but, you know, promote pro- some kind of propaganda or to basically deter you away from reality or to convince you of something. Which is the strongest? And they gave a whole listen. I looked at it and I'm like, bro, this one. And the one that I picked, and I think the one that is the strongest, is, is creating problems and offering solutions. That is like, bro, that's a, a, like a triple-ended sword just being jammed in you. Because they, they, they either make a problem for you or they make you think you have a problem. So you're in a state of shock, panic, I need help. You know, It's like when the, when the government says we have a great enemy that wants to destroy us and blah, 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 you're going to look like, freak out, be like, bro, you know, this country wants to destroy us, what am I going to do? You're going to say to panic, and then the country you're living in will provide the solution for you, and they'll save you, and then you'll be so thankful to them, you'll love them so much, you'll trust them even more, and the whole time, right? in certain cases, they will be basically like you mentioned, profiting off of us, because they make us think we have a problem, we pay them money to fix our problem, and then you know, they, basically the cycle continues. It's, wallah, it's crazy. But
1: they could only do this to people who are unknowledgeable, yes. people who are followers. You cannot, you cannot convince a group of leaders to fall for this type of rhetoric. You can only convince a group of followers to do that. And we live in a society full of followers, right? People just follow one another instead of leading by example, right? And you mentioned a very, very interesting point, right? What, so it's actually one of the tenets of Freemasonry. It's called order out of chaos. Order out of chaos, right? So they cause the chaos, and then they create the order out of chaos. One of the examples I could give you is imagine, um, uh, you know, just so people understand it a little bit more clearly, right? Imagine a man kidnaps a woman, right? And the whole time he's, he, he, he's covering his face the entire time, right? And he's torturing her. He's doing all this to the woman. And suddenly, at the very end, he comes in and pretends that he's the one who saved her. He shows his face. I'm the one who saved you. Now she's going to say, oh, I owe my life to you. But the whole time, he's the same one who kidnapped her and tortured her the whole time. It's a different level of, of like psychology where you're really disrupting the mind. And this is what these people are specialized in. The people who are deceiving the masses, these people are professional deceivers. Literally professional deceivers, they've mastered the art of deception. Subhanallah. But obviously, Allah says that the shaitan has a plan, and Allah has a plan, and
2: Allah is the best of planners. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. Well, like I swear to God, when you talk, it's like so many different light bulbs. I know, bro. Like it's so amazing. Actually, actually, I think Fire, you mentioned this maybe a few episodes ago, um, where you basically asked the question. You know, or you just point out a fact you're like think about the fact that there are people who work at TikTok who dedicate their lives to studying how to make you addicted to their app same thing bro TV everything if we were good podcasters we'd be doing it we'd be studying how to get people hooked so they cannot leave now if you do that with an Islamic channel bro ahsan mashallah keep going But when you do it for something that's just feeding these people Mm -hmm. garbage, 60-second videos of someone doing a stupid impression of Jim Carrey or whatever, it's like, (laughs) you know, actually, also, on a side note, think, can you remember the last three TikToks you watch? Everyone, can you remember the last three TikToks you watch? If not, delete the app, bro. Don't watch anything. Because that's (laughs) what it does to you, bro. Allah, that's what it it puts you in a state of just pure, like, delusion. And then you forget all about it, subhanAllah. Go spend the time you spent on TikTok doing what brother... Abdul Wahab was talking about educating yourself and not being someone who just, you know, listens to other people. And, and when I resist about, the 100%. slave mind, 100% Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the saddest part, you know, Allah created us with the capacity. And even in the Quran, Allah appeals to our, our wisdom, our knowledge, our intellect, our logic, our rationality. Allah appeals to it, you know. Even Allah asking, Do, do they think they were created from nothing? You know, to. I'm playing on my freaking uh, iPad right now. I don't, need, I don't have time to think about where I came from. Excuse me? And if you're thinking, oh, I don't say that. Okay, but I mean, you're living it. You're, you're sitting, you're watching, you're playing, and you're not, you're not actually thinking about, you know, this iPad had a creator, this couch I'm sitting on had a creator, the food I'm eating, it came from the earth, and so on and so forth. Where did I come from? Those are big, big questions, subhanAllah, and they will always lead you to Islam. But as long as you you know,
1: it's very interesting that you you mentioned that because Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they don't ask themselves these questions until their life slows down or until they end up in jail. Right. Mm Because on purpose, you have to understand, like I said, you have to know your enemy in order to defeat the enemy. They purposely made our lifestyle so quick, so fast. So we're not able to ponder on the things that are important. Right. You have to understand why entertainment All these distractions were made in the first place. is to keep you away, to keep you away from your purpose of life, right? And this is actually one of the things I studied in the beginning. Like, when I wanted to study, I was trying to find out the truth. I wanted to uncover all the different truths of the world. So I went on almost a 10-year journey of trying to uncover different truths, not just about Islam, but, you know, I studied all the different religions, all the satanic religions. I studied witchcraft so I could understand... What the people on the opposite side as well, what do they do? What do they believe, right? And it's very, very interesting because like the mentalities that they have, right? The, the tactics that they use to bring people to them, we can actually use a lot of their tactics to bring people to Allah, you know? What I mean? <laughs> so, you know, because usually if you look at like the people, the, the, like the, the devilish people or the people who, who promote, um, you know, the, the misguidance, they usually come in beautiful clothes, they look nice, they have speech that sounds like gold, but when you get close to it, you find out it's bronze, right? But why not use their tactics, but have a message that it is pure gold, right? So it's kind of like, you know, so it's like, it's like it's just like, we have to think outside of the box, you know, just kind of like think outside of the box. I wanted to say something else, but I kind of lost my train of thought in the middle of as I was saying it. Well, what, what did you say right before that? Because I, I wanted to say something regarding that.
2: Right before which statement?
1: Yeah, yeah, right before I, right before I started. Say, it's all good. Yeah, the the, the thoughts slipped away. You know, like when you have a thought in your head, Bro. the more you think about it, the more it's running away from you. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Bro, that's me every single podcast. I have like 50 thoughts and then I forget like 90% of them.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I got to have a notepad, you know, just get everything written down just in case, you
2: know? Oh, well, I just had another thought that I forgot. Man. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> forgot it, bro. He forgot it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. But absolutely, man. Honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a great honor, man. It's a great honor to know that, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, that Allah has chosen us to, to give and to share the message of Islam, man. There's no more beautiful job than this, you know, to share the message of the truth. And we're truly saving people, bro. We're truly saving people's lives. We're saving people's souls. Actually, you know, I think I remember what you were talking about now, because you were talking about the people who, they're so distracted, they don't think, they don't have any time to ponder. To be honest, a lot of these people, you have to understand that they've been programmed into their lifestyle. Their parents are are, 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 are programmed, and they're also producing children that are also programmed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you know how it says in Surah Yasin, right? I believe uh, it says, "I go to Shayṭan, يا سِين والقرآن الحكيم إنك لمن المرسلين على صراط مستقيم ترازين العزيز الرحيم لتنذر قوما It says in the name of Allah, the most compassionate and most merciful, right? Yasin, by the Quran, rich in wisdom. You, O Prophet, are truly one of the messengers upon the straight path. This is a revelation from the Almighty, most merciful. So you may warn a people whose forefathers were not warned and are so heedless. We're dealing with a bunch of people who their fa- their fathers and their fathers were never warned of the truth. So now it is our obligation. If we come face to face with one of their one of these individuals, we cannot let them go by without them hearing the message of Islam, hearing the truth. So now they have the opportunity to comp- contemplate and change the entire uh, the entire dynamic of their future children. You know, because you have to understand. You know these different brothers and, and the frat that took Shahada it's not that they're just taking shahada we're creating a fa- new muslim families bro cuz mm. they're going to have they're going to get wives they're going to have children their children are going to have children like it's bigger than we think it is bro it's way bigger than we think if we if you really think about it in a very deep manner this is the most beautiful work any human being could be involved in this is the work of the prophets bro there's no better work than this bro and we need to start taking pride in in our religion bro, we need to be unapologetically muslim. Unapologetic, we should be proud that we are muslim. And we need to take control of the narrative of Islam with platforms like ours. Alhamdulillah, you guys have an amazing platform. A lot of our muslim brothers have good nice platforms and we need to take charge of the narrative of Islam that's being spewed
0: yeah, bro. See, we have, we have a friend who's also on TikTok. His name is Riyad. And he made this video once upon a time. I think Rami saw it too. And he says that, you know, one of the main missions kind of prop- proponent propagating why he does what he does is because everything that most people today, that laymen, non-Muslims know about Islam is from the non-Muslims. So he's like, why don't, why don't we start channels and platforms where we teach them Islam from a real Muslim, the way Islam is supposed to be? Not through non-Muslims, not through the media.
1: Absolutely. And you guys are doing amazing. Man. May Allah bless you guys. May Allah reward you guys. May Allah give you give guys more success, more barakah, and everything Allah grant you times a million inshallah. inshallah. Allahumma All right.
2: amin. Allahumma amin. Allahumma
0: You want to answer this question, bro? Adam writes, how old is the Warner?
1: So, I just turned 30. I just turned 30 this
0: month. Mashallah,
1: Allahumma I'm a young soldier, man. man. I'm a young <laughs> soldier. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> never Allahumma Allahumma yeah,
2: bro. Never would have guessed, bro. You look like you're in mid-20s, bro. Yeah, man. I'm a young soldier man alhamdulillah alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah alhamdulillah May Allah grant you Many many more strong years Allahumma ameen 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 Rami
0: just turned 36
2: Really? <laughs> <laughs> let's go Let's go Rami <laughs> la, la, he's, he's joking I'm 22 and Alhamdulillah <laughs> no, maşallah,
1: maşallah.
2: <laughs> He's young bro Um, But Speaking of 36 so let's subtract 10 26 I actually want to talk about The 26th chapter of the Quran because of what you said, subhanAllah, Wallah, it, 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 it reminded me of these verses. So first, this actually, because it also links to what I forgot I wanted to say before. I remember now, alhamdulillah. Beautiful, beautiful. Islam is so logical, so concise, so clear, and does not take much thinking. So much so to the point that da'is, I think, have gotten just too strictly logical. And they've forgotten a whole side of da'wah, which is emotional intelligence. It's being able to go to someone, see that state that they're in and give them exactly what they need for them to realize, I have this issue in my life. Islam provides that solution. Subhanallah. And when you give dawah in a way, and sometimes the answer is logic, 100%. Sometimes they need to, like let's say you're you're talking to someone who worships an idol, right? Which is similar to what I'm going to mention. You can go to them and just like the prophets in the Quran, say to them, what does this bring to you? Has it given you food? Has it given you drink? Like, it doesn't give you anything. It's it's. I can destroy it right now and it would become a rubble. And I can like use it and throw it like in my lawn. It won't benefit anything. So if you look at chapter 26 in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us basically to relate or to recite the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam when he went to his, his father and his people and he asked, you know, what is it that you worship besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then they said, you know, we worship idols and we're fully devoted. Like they know know what he's up to, right? They they know why he's asking. It's rhetorical. So he's like, we worship idols and we're devoted to them. Okay, so we're happy with what we have. And then he asks, uh, can they hear you when you call upon them? (laughs) Or Or can they benefit you or can they harm you? And they said, no, but we found our forefathers doing the same. SubhanAllah. Exactly what you said. Parents teaching their kids just to be followers and they teach your kids just to be followers. And they imagine like generation after generation worshiping idols, worshiping stones just because their parents told them to. Right. Imagine how devastating it is when your parents teach you capitalism and consumerism and these, these ideologies, man. Man, to unpack that, subhanAllah, you need to hit them where it hurts. You need to hit them in the heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Emotionally, this
0: this is something we can talk about on another episode too but a lot of parents too i see where they're coming from bro the way they try to program and condition their kids too is because for them it really was sink or swim you know what i mean a lot of immigrant parents too when they came here they kind of glorified the idea of money and then security and all this type of stuff so they try to kind of keep kids a little bit in the shell you know what i mean a little bit in in a confinement in a safety net you know, you you want to say something that is the truth, but it's a little too controversial. Don't say, it, you know, you want to stand up for the dean. Oh, but it might put your life on the line. Don't say it, bro. You know what I mean? And we got to understand. We got to have sympathi- sympathy with these parents, too, where they're coming from, because they're coming from a place of just just genuinely looking out for people. But understand, too, bro, the best of creation, the Prophet was slandered, was persecuted, was attacked, was poisoned, even. I don't know how authentic that is, but I'm not a scholar, but poisoned. What makes us think us laymen are immune to that, bro? What really gives us the audacity to
2: think that we should have it any easier? Yeah, 100%. Giving, giving dawah is hard. But, you know, if actually, Sheikh also was talking about this, uh, I think, a while ago. If you look at the Prophet in his life, you know, when Jibreel came to him, he was like panicking, right? And he went to his his, his wife Khadija and said, you know, Zami Luni, cover me, cover me. And this happened two or three times maybe And and each time it happened Allah subhanahu ta'ala revealed the verses You know um, Basically Ya um, Muzamil. Uh, you, I think I don't know the translation exactly But you who's covered up He says get up and rise He's like you're in a state of comfort Get up and go warn people He's panicking Allah says get up and go warn people And after warning people all day Come and worship Allah for a part of the night SubhanAllah even when you're, that kind of infers that when you're in a state of, of, of just being comfortable all the time, are you really, you have to ask yourself, are you really doing the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If you're just sitting there comfortably, you know, relaxing, you don't have any stress, you, you know, you're just chilling 80 years of your life, look back at your life. What did you actually do with the sake of Allah if you didn't struggle at all? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good point you made, mashallah, bro. Well, We're no one. You know, we're no one. We're going to be criticized. Well, We're going to make mistakes. Well, that's the thing. We, we will make mistakes and we'll be criticized for the mistakes and we will speak the truth. We'll be criticized for speaking the truth. At the end of the day, if you're doing it for the sake of Allah, you'll be good.
1: You know what gives me relief when, when you know, obviously when it comes to this stuff? Because, bro, obviously living in Los Angeles, living in America, doing what I'm doing, bro, like especially as it gets bigger, I'm going to be dealing with a lot of issues, bro. Like I'm already... Bro, I see the shaitan coming at me in different angles. Every single time I go out there, I notice there's a different obstacle that shaitan puts my way. I remember about three weeks ago, there was about 15 cops that pulled up on me and surrounded me, bro. Literally surrounded me because I'm sharing the message of Islam. And I know what's happening. I'm looking at them right in the eye. I know exactly who's whispering in their ears, bro. I know exactly what's going on, right? I'm aware of this even though they're unaware of what's going on. But guess what? Allah says in the Qur'an, Those who believe have nothing to fear and nor will they ever grieve. And I trust Allah with all of my heart. So I know if I am doing the right thing and I'm doing what Allah has told me to do, I don't care what happens to me. I belong to Allah and to Allah I will return. I don't care which way I return, but to Allah I will return. I'm ready to give my life for this, bro. I'm ready to give my life for this, bro. Inshallah. Inshallah,
0: Inshallah, bro. And may Allah allow us to all reach that state of yaqeen in the deen. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma ameen. 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 But bro, with this being said, Rami, we got to go pray Maghrib, right? It sucks. It sucks that it's come to this, bro, that we got to wrap up the stream, Brother Abdul. But it it definitely makes me look forward to part two and many more other segments with you. And inshallah, we can definitely get you over here to Toronto. And we do uh, an in-person thing in a few months, Inshallah. Inshallah. Definitely going to send this over to Angel make sure he watches it. He usually always does the ones that he can't come. He always replays it by himself. And may Allah keep putting barakah in your work. Keep keep you as a lion of the ummah, bro. As like a modern day, uh you know, qawwam in the forest, in the dawah. So may Allah keep you as a ameen. Allah Allahumma
2: ameen. Allahumma
0: Amin. Before we wrap I mean, it up, I mean, anything I mean, you want to say right now?
1: Yeah, as far as, I just want to give like a little advice of like, let's say if anyone else out there wants to give dawah, right? Or anything like that, I'm going to have I have some short advice to give to the people who are out there that do want to do this as well. Because I, I want to be an inspiration for the normal guy, the normal everyday Muslim, right? Because I'm a normal everyday Muslim, bro. I'm nothing special. I'm a normal dude, right? I was born and raised in LA. I just, the first time I read the Quran was like about 10 years ago, bro. So there's people that have way more time on me you know as far as more they know there's so many people are way more knowledgeable than me but the thing about me is i act on what i know if i know something i'm gonna actively try to share it with as many people as i can so i just want to share with people anybody else that wants to do the dawah right never fear allah has your back and you have to know what you're doing it for and why you're doing it and to stay genuine because people could feel when you're lying to them or when you're telling them the truth. It's extremely important to be as genuine as possible and connect with the hearts of the people. If you can do that, inshallah, people will listen. People will gravitate towards you because you are being genuine, especially in a land full of fake people, bro. If you are genuine, you will find success. Another thing I would recommend is go and look at the stories of the prophets, right? Start from Adam, alayhi sallallahu Find out who is Shaitan, who is Allah, who are the angels, who is Adam alayhi salam. How did we get here? Start from the beginning. Start from the very beginning. Understand how we came to Earth in the first place. It's important for you to understand all these things. Start from Adam alayhi salam, then end at the Prophet Muhammad, salam, and also study the Christian stories of the Prophets as well. So you can see the difference between the real stories of the Prophets and the, the slandered version of the stories of the Prophets you know, so, um yeah, so I just wanted to say that, also, um, you know, I am actually looking for a wife, so sisters, send in the applications, inshallah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen, listen, I'm gonna I'm promote that, I don't really care, the fact that you waited till the end shows how genuine you are, bro, it's not like the first two seconds my man's like, bro, I'm single, but listen, ladies, <laughs> you're, you're looking for 6162. Listen, he's 6'8, bro.
1: 6'7, hey, 6'7. bro.
2: Allahumma, may Allah elevate <laughs> you, Habibi. Both of you. Allahumma,
0: I mean. And anyone that made it this far, too, we tagged him in the title of this video. Go over to his channel, smash that subscribe button, like all of his videos, support him. He's doing work that too many people are coward to do, bro. Listen, it's one thing, too. And, 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 and again, Rami, bro, you know how much work me, you and Anho put in. Mashallah, may Allah bless us. But bro, it's easy to just turn on our computers, bro. You know, a lot of people that they got to, you know, go outside, set up these stalls, set up these booths Mm -hmm. in person, bro. That's, that's, that's a whole nother level, bro. And, you know, we've done street doubt, bro. We know it's not easy. You know, so may Allah bless brother Warner for keep, keep on doing what he's doing. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe to his channel, inshallah.
2: Inshallah, ya rab. Jazakallah khair, everyone. For attending Jazak Khair, Brother Abdul Wahab, for joining us. Honestly, Thank amazing you. episode, masha'Allah. And I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He grants us many, many more with you. We have wow. one super chat coming in uh, saying, I saw a video of a guy becoming Muslim thanks to Dawn. Maybe you can react to it. Oh, that's very interesting, inshallah. inshallah. We'll look into it. And with that being said, Allahumma <laughs> atina fil dunya hasana wa fil akhira ti hasana wa kina adhaban nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi. Let's go.
1: Let's go. I will hook.